Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A great passage of Scripture that we'll be looking over over the next couple of weeks. And does anything stand out to you in, those, in that passage of Scripture, a theme? Or thought that stands out to you that came out a few times in that passage. <clears throat> our walk, man, our walk, and uh, so we we're looking at that this morning. Our walk, the spiritual road that we're to be uh, traveling upon so to speak. And in the first two verses we see our pattern. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, so we, we describe this as our pattern. What, what is a pattern? What's a pattern? Okay, something to follow? A guide? What, what kind of people use a pattern? Okay, seamstress will use a pattern. Who else? Right. You have, uh, you can look outside and say, uh, that's a Prius. Why? Because they follow a pattern. They all look the same. Uh, they don't look different. It doesn't, you don't see a Prius that has a, 
has a, uh, can you imagine a Prius mixed between, you know, Brother Morton's truck and, uh, <laughs> and their Prius, just because they didn't follow the pattern. Okay, so uh, woodworkers will use a pattern uh, for various things. And so we all have patterns that we follow. I mean, you have a pattern in your life that you follow. If you cook, you, you follow a pattern. Uh, whether you follow it closely or not, depends on if you think the pattern's good or not, or if you, if you can improve it. We all have patterns. And so a pattern, I like Webster's definition of a pattern. He describes it as an original or model proposed for imitation, uh, the archetype. Uh, an exemplar, that which is to be copied or imitated, either in things or in actions, as a pattern of a machine, a pattern of patience. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, he has this, Christ was the most perfect pattern of rectitude, patience, and submission ever exhibited on earth. So he was the, the perfect pattern. And that's the pattern that's set forth for us here. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. So we're to walk the walk. We are to be followers of God. And that word followers, comes, the word, our word mimic uh, comes from, from that. Uh, so we, we mimic, we copy, we imitate. And this is a present imperative, meaning this is, this is to be our way of life. On a daily basis, we are to be followers of God. And we get our word mime from, from this word as well. What does a mime do. What? Mimics. Mimics? How? The funniest ones are the ones that follow people around and imitate them without them knowing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and why wouldn't they know? They're behind them following. And why else wouldn't they know? They're silent, okay? <laughs> uh, so they're not letting their words speak. Uh, you know, sometimes kids will mimic their parents and how they talk, how they say things. Uh, it's interesting even within extended families, sometimes there's a, a way of speaking that's not by mimicking. Uh, must be genetic. <laughs> With uh, somebody, even I guess even genetics is... A, is Mimicking, um, I was. We were amazed when, this summer when we took when I took the boys up to Michigan, and the boys uh, didn't meet. Maybe they met one of the cousins for the first time, but it, just about Kason's age. I think she's a little younger than Kason. They look like they could be brothers and sisters, uh, brother and sister. How they look, but how they talk. There were certain words that they said. How they said certain things that were the same. And they never met, met each other before. And uh, so that was interesting. But a mime, uh, they let their actions speak, not their words. And when we, as followers of God, we're not just a, it's not just with our words. It's not just a, uh, something verbal that we say. Our actions need to speak. Our way of life needs to speak. Uh, turn over to First John Chapter 2. 1 John 
chapter 2. And look at verse number 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. So it's not just talking. Okay, There's that phrase people use, don't just talk the talk but walk the walk. Because uh, that's a biblical principle. That's what John is laying out here. If we say something, we ought to live it. If we say we, ab- we ab- abide in him, then we ought to walk as he walks. Our life ought to mimic his. Our life ought to copy Christ's. In First Peter 2, verse 21, Peter said a, a similar, made a similar statement. First Peter 2, verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We are to follow the example of Christ. And not that we're not to have, or we can't have people that we follow. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Follow me uh, as I, or be followers of me, even as I uh, also am of Christ. So as he followed Christ, they were to follow him. Uh, as he mimicked Christ, they could see that pattern in, in Paul's life and so he could, he could set himself forth as an example. This is how Christ walked. I'm walking like Christ, so you have me as an example. That's a pretty high standard to put upon yourself. <laughs> uh, to say, follow me, even as I also uh, be, follows me, even as I also am of Christ. Uh, that's a pretty high standard to put yourself upon. And so we need to be very careful with our lives that, we could say that. Uh, if you've ever made copies, is it, good, is it a good thing to make a copy of a copy? What eventually happens? If you make a copy of a copy and then a copy of that copy and then a copy of that copy? You lose quality. You lose quality. Uh, just bit by bit over time, things are going to be lost. Uh, it's going to get worse. Uh, yesterday when I was printing some of the uh, the bulletins, the uh, the first one that came out that I was going to use uh, in a different copy project, uh, I couldn't use that because when it first came out, even the original copy didn't come out as it was supposed to. Some of the some of the toner was was uh, off, and so I said, "Well, I can't use that because it's going to make all the rest of the copies even even worse." Uh, so we need to be very careful how we follow Christ. Uh, that we walk in as he walked, that we follow uh, his example. He left us an example that you should follow his steps. So how do we follow Christ's steps? How do we do that? Amen. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. So we follow him through, through the word of God uh, that is given to us. Christ is the living word. Uh, so we have the written word uh, for us. How else? Even from our text, how does it tell us to?
Okay. So verse number two, we'll focus on that here in just a bit. Uh, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. So a very specific example. In verse number one, how are we told to mimic, to follow God? Okay, as dear children. Uh, be therefore followers of God as dear children. How do children follow their father or follow, the, follow their parents? By example? Okay, they, it's funny sometimes when you watch children, when they try to do something that their mother or their uh, father is doing and they, and they can't do it yet because they're not big enough and not strong enough, uh, don't have the ability, and so they're trying to, to mimic but why are they trying to mimic? Why are they trying to do... Why does a uh, six-year-old boy try to mimic their father? They want to be like them. They have a desire to be like their father and follow the example of, of their father. Okay? Uh, we can look around here and we can see um, men, grown men that, you know, as boys... Growing up, they dress a certain way, had their hair cut a certain way because that's what their parents wanted. Uh, that's how dad had it. And now as they're adults in their own household, their mom's not probably cutting their hair or getting them dressed, but they still, they still follow that pattern <laughs> many times. Uh, they still follow that, that example. And so we follow, uh, parents or children follow their Father, because they want to be like him. So we're to be followers of God as dear children. Not as rebellious, you know, rebellious. How many rebellious children mimic their fathers? They might mimic them in the wrong ones, wrong things, saying, you see a Christian, you do this, well, I'm going to do that too. And so it's very important that we give our children the proper examples. How sad it is when you see rebellious children involved in the things, in the sins of their parents. And they are following that bad example. And they've just completely given themselves over to it. Uh, But we're to follow God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. So we're to to love like Christ loved. Uh, Our way of life when we talk about walking in love, our walk is not talking about our physical walk. Okay, we, we understand that it's our. Well, what is when it says that we're to walk in love? In other places throughout this chapter, when it speaks about our walk, what's it referring to? It was mentioned last week, I believe, as well. What's that talking about? Your walk. Okay, your daily life. Okay, your your whole sphere of your life. Uh, is your walk. So our whole sphere, our whole way of life is to be in love as Christ hath loved us. What kind of love is Christ's love? Unconditional? The here eternal? Is that what someone said? Perfect? Okay, perfect, unconditional. That's the love that Christ had. What's another term for it? Unconditional, perfect. Agape is 
is the uh, from that the Greek word we get this translated from. In our text, how would you describe it? The second part of the verse. What kind of love? Self-sacrificing. Okay, self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing love. So we're to follow Christ. We're to love like He loved. We're to have the unconditional, perfect, sacrificial love. Yes. Um, our children imitate us if they love us. That's why they want to imitate us. Right. Yeah, so we're going to be developing this love toward God, but even towards one another, and we see this developed throughout this chapter, is our love for, for men as well, is to have this kind of a love. Is this love... Where does this love come from? Is it natural? No. Okay, it's not a natural. Uh, it's not a natural love. Where does it come from? Supernatural. I think I heard someone say it. From God, from the Holy Spirit. Okay, from uh, the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a yielded, obedient. Believer, uh, we can have this love grow and multiply. Uh, so it's not natural. It can't, we can't accomplish it in our own strength. Uh, and turn over to, to Acts 10 and look at the example that's cited here of, of Christ. One example of this love. Acts 10 and verse number 1. We'll start with verse number 34. Peter hears in the house of Cornelius. He says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted up with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. There's one example. Uh, one, we could say, insignificant example even. Although it's, it's not insignificant what he was doing. But uh, when you think about him going about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, the devil, some of that oppression we know was, was physical. We see... We, we see him, uh, Christ healing, casting out demons of those that were physically uh, oppressed because of, of demons. And we also see him healing all manner of sicknesses, all manner of, of illnesses. Uh, things, if it was just a, an illness, not a, not a spiritual issue, but just a physical issue, 
because they thought it was an insignificant thing compared to eternity. Uh, having, you know, not, having no ability to walk is really an insignificant thing compared to eternal life or eternal damnation. But even that, the times that he did those insignificant acts, okay, here's someone that was born blind, <laughs> and now they're going to see. To that person, it wasn't insignificant. In the scope of eternity, it was. But here's Christ affecting this person's life, getting involved in, in someone's life that he didn't know as a, as a man. Obviously, as God, he knew them. Uh, but those men and women, children that knew who he was, uh, wanted healing. Think about Bartimaeus uh, and others. Uh, another account has the two blind men uh, outside of Jericho. Uh, call, hearing that Christ was passing by, so they start calling out for him to, uh, to gain his attention, and, and he took his time to do that. Uh, he gave his time, he gave his energy to be involved in the lives of those around him. Uh, to the consternation of his disciples that told, were telling these people that, listen, just you guys need to shut up and be quiet. The master's passing by, he doesn't want you here. Or when the children were coming to him and the parents were bringing their children to have them blessed, they said, you know, listen, get the children out of here. But he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. He, was, he got involved in their life. He gave of his time, he gave his, of his energy to those around him that others may have considered undeserving. That's the example that we have of Christ. Are we willing to love as, as he loved? Uh, to love, to have unconditional, sacrificial love for others, uh, for the lost, for those that many would say we shouldn't have love for. And what kind of people today in our society would be ones that people would put into that category that they're not really deserving of of our time, of our energy, of our love. What kind of people? What groups of people? Okay, murderers. What else? Who else? By giving an answer, it's not mean I'm not... You're not confessing that that's what you think. So. Okay. Okay. So different races, different. Uh, all the different uh, Sexual orientation, sexual identity, gender, gender identities that are out there today, however many there are, 100 or more <laughs> that are out there today. Uh, people put, you know, those we put in those categories. Who else? Politicians. Politicians. <laughs> we'll be put in that category. There's others. Thieves, the homeless, drug addicts, atheists, um, 
those that are covered in tattoos, no matter what kind of group they're, they're in. We have all kinds of different people in our own minds that we will put in certain groups that uh, they're not worthy of my time. So when I'm out and about in my community, when I'm out about witnessing or just shopping, there's certain people that aren't worth my time. There's certain people that uh, I can't ignore. I can just go pass by them, and it's perfectly fine. Well, that's not walking as Christ walked. Uh, even those that rejected those that rejected Christ, you know, the religious crowd, um, Christ even would stop and deal with them, <laughs> and uh, and rebuke them for for their lifestyle, for their thinking. Uh, but he spent his life; he was willing to extend his life and spend his life, spend his time, spend his energies on all these different groups of people. Okay, what but yeah, he, he ate with publicans and sinners. Uh, when uh, he was at Simon's, was it Simon? Uh, the Pharisee was at his name, Simon. He was at his house and, and uh, at dinner and a woman came in and washed his washed Christ's feet with her tears and, and someone was saying if, if he knew what kind of woman this was he wouldn't be doing that and then Christ knowing his thoughts said you know Simon when I came you didn't wash my feet she hasn't you know she, she hasn't ceased washing my feet with her tears and he gave the parable of, of the one that was forgiven most or, or forgiven least and which one would love more um, our love if we're going to love like Christ we can't look at the world as the world looks at the world, <laughs> as it looks at itself, as it divides itself up into different groups. We need to see the world as Christ sees them, if we're going to love as he loved, if we're going to give ourselves as, as he gave us. If we're going to follow the example, be followers, therefore, of God as dear children. I mean, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave his son for those that would mock him, those that would spit on him, those that would uh, just have an absolute life agenda of destroying the things of God and destroying the people of God. Uh, God so loved them that he, gave his, he was willing to give his son for them. So we're going to be followers of God as dear children. That's a, that's a, a big thing to try to imitate. And we can't go about in life uh, having, you know, the, the example in Scripture of uh, where is it found at um, being holier than thou. Anyone remember that reference? Is it in Isaiah? Isaiah 65 and verse... Number five, but going back uh, to verse number one, the Lord says, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. 
Ye people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels, which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. Uh, These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but I will recompense, even recompense into their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills. Therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. So here God is describing those that he came to save. <laughs> and just how he described them. Uh, being rebellious, that they provoke him to anger continually to his face. They sacrifice to, to uh, to idols. You know, they're sacrificing in gardens and burning incense uh, upon altars of brick, having broth of abominable things in their vessels. It doesn't sound very good. Here are those whose whose lifestyles are contrary to God, and yet these are those that he came to save. But how he describes there in verse number 5, which says, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. So God was using that to describe these people. Often that's used to describe Christians. that have an attitude of being holier than thou. Okay. Now Christ was holier, obviously, than all, all of these. Uh, he was willing to associate with these, these people. He was willing to, I mean, he, obviously this is a message of judgment upon these people, but before judgment, God, God gave them opportunities. God sent forth his son in order to save men like this, so he was not holier than that. That was not his attitude. If we're going to follow his example, that ought to never be that phrase there, Isaiah 65, verse number 5, that ought to never be something that people would look at our lives and apply that to us. Those are applied to those that are absolutely contrary to God. If we're going to follow his example... Others ought not to see that attitude in our lives. They ought to see, even those that are contrary to us, uh, contrary to the Lord, and that may hate us, but they can say, you know what, I hate them. (laughs) And even the things that they say to me, I I know are, you know, they don't like my lifestyle, don't like the things I'm doing, but they love me. Uh, they, They care for me. And that makes them even, many times makes them even more angry. But they're not going to say that you're holier than thou. They're not going to have that attitude. That ought to be the life that we, we strive to live among the lost. Now that they, they see Christ through us. We'd be judgmental. Yes, yeah. And you know, we are 
the Bible is clear that we are to, to judge. We are to have righteous judgment. But that is not in the area of our showing love. Our being like Christ in the area of, of loving as, as he loved. In verse number 2, to walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Because when you consider verse number 2, as Paul is describing Christ as he's loved us and hath given himself for us, well, we've just been looking at in these previous chapters of what kind of people were we? Ephesians 2, verse 2, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And throughout chapter 3, chapter 4, uh, describes those kind of people, the kind of people that we were. Verse number 17 of chapter 4 uh, they henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over until lasciviousness to work in all uncleanness with greediness. Okay, as believers, we're not to walk that way anymore, but Paul is describing that that's, that's who we were. And that's who we were in verse number 2, after chapter 5, when he gave himself for us, that's who we were. In Romans uh, 5, the reference is escaping me. I think it's Romans 5. And verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength... In due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in that condition, he gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's the kind of love that we need to be showing the world. Now, God does not condone sin, and we're not to condone it. We're not to just pass by it and, and say it's nothing, like the Corinthians did there with, in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, with the man that, that uh, was having a relationship with his stepmother, and they were boasting over their broad-mindedness. Okay. The Bible does not teach that. We don't condone sin. We don't condone uh, ungodly lifestyles. Uh, we use the Bible to, to rebuke sin, and yet we are to rebuke in love. We are to uh, share the gospel in love with those. They're, they're in a condition, whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's a, uh, a drug issue, an alcohol issue, whatever the issue is, they're in that condition because of sin, and we have the cure that can help them. We have what will deliver them out of that. And we have the responsibility and love to, to do that, to administer uh, the gospel, to give them the gospel, to walk in love. Uh, that's the pattern that we are 
to follow. As we go into the next verses, verses 3 through 7, before we do any other comments on verses 1 and 2, Brother Brandon? I was say, I mean, if we don't have love, then we don't know God, First John 4. Right. Because God is love. We, we do that under sometimes pretenses that we know God better, or we have more knowledge. Right. But we don't know God if we don't, if we don't have love. Right. In John, First John is, is so clear on that. <laughs> Throughout almost every single chapter, uh, he hits on that. Um, that topic, at least, the subject, and how we are to be following followers of Christ. And if, we're, if we say one thing, we don't, we're not doing it, we're liars. <clears throat> Any others? Thoughts? Zach? Get accused of not having love because it comes across as they're dealing harshly with someone. But what people need to consider is that they're loving the people by keeping out rules and Sin needs to be needs to be confronted. When we're dealing with the lost, they need to be confronted with their sin. They need to come under conviction of their sin. And so we we can't gloss over it. We can't say, "Well, God just accepts you." Um, I mean, He accepts them as they are, as far as as sinners. But He can't deal with the sin issue. And so then you understand that and come under conviction of their sin and have a, 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 sor- a godly sorrow for their sin. And that godly sorrow is going to work repentance. Uh, in Second Corinthians 7, Paul goes through a, a great list of, of things that godly sorrow worked in their life. And the change that it brought in their life. Now, these are believers, and repentance, as believers, we still are to be repenting. We've got to have a, a godly sorrow over sin, and that repentance in our life ought to produce some things, but these, these things, true repentance, that comes from godly sorrow, ought to, ought to uh, have fruit in many different areas. So, in verse number 11, he said, For behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sword, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. That godly sorrow caused them to. to Changed their view of that sin, and they they weren't practicing it anymore. It says that they brought a carefulness in them, 
that they were being careful as it regarded that sin. Uh, they, they cleared themselves. People couldn't say, well, you're still doing that. You still have that attitude. They, they cleared themselves of that. They had an, a righteous anger towards that sin, what indignation, and not just towards that sin, but I believe towards how they responded to that sin. What fear? They didn't want to, they didn't want God's judgment, so they had a fear that they would fall back into that. And what vehement desire? What zeal? What revenge? Okay. Godly sorrow and repentance changes one's attitude towards sin. And so as we're dealing with the lost, we have, they have to be confronted with that sin. But we're, the love of Christ ought to come, come through in that as we're, as we're dealing with them. All right, verse number 3 through 7. Did you have your hand raised, Sister Vicky? No, okay. Uh, for time, we won't... Let's, let's read verses 3 through 7, and uh, just in anticipation of next week. But fornication, so it starts off with the word but there. It's looking at the... Just the contrast there, we're to be followers of God as dear children, we're to walk in love as Christ hath loved us, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. What a huge contrast between a self-sacrificing love of verses one and two to just the self-centered vices that we see in, in verses 3 through 7. A huge contrast. And just as it says, that these things not be once named among you, verse number 3 speaks that verses 1 and 2, those things ought to be named among us. Those things ought to be, when people think of us, that's what they ought to think of. Not these other things. They ought to be thinking of here are those that are truly following God. Here are those that truly love God and the love of Christ shines through them in my life. I don't, maybe I don't like where they stand. I don't like the Bible they use. I don't like the church they go to. I don't like their lifestyle. I don't like how their life, their, their light condemns my darkness. I don't like anything those things about them, but they love me. And that ought to shine through to the lost about us. So next week we'll, look, we'll focus in on verses 3 through 7, and uh, we should get on beyond that as well. But So I would encourage you to, to study up next week, verses 3 through 7 or 3 through, 3 through 10, and we'll see how far we can get. Any comments or questions this morning? All right, you are dismissed.